give thanks to the Lord, our God and King. His love endures forever. For He is good, He's above all things. His love endures forever. It's been reborn, His love endures forever. Sing praise, sing praise, sing praise, sing praise. Forever God is faithful, forever
Why would I hunger for power or riches or fame? My God is so much better than all of these things. No, I won't be shaken. I won't be
Oh 
songs this morning that have spoken of the greatness of God, and then we just ended on a song that says, turn your eyes on Jesus. So let's just take a moment and literally let's do that. Whatever cares you have, whatever worries, whatever fears, whatever burdens you've walked in here with, let's just turn our face towards him and just together in your own words, just begin to worship God, begin to give him honor, speak out praises to him, cast your cares on him. Lord, we turn to you today. Lord, you're everything we need and more. God, your abundance, you are plenty. God, you're strong enough, mighty enough to handle all of our lives. Lord, the lives of humanity, God. I thank you today that that's who you are. And we turn our face towards you. Lord, every need, every care, every everything, Lord, we look to you. And God, we just say that you are perfect in every way, capable in every way, dependable in every way. And we thank you for who you are. We recognize you in all of your greatness today. Thank you that we have songs that we can put words to to sing them. And Lord, we're thankful for this moment right now. We'll give you all praise, all honor, all glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Well, God bless you as you're seated this morning. We're going to receive this morning's offering and I want to read you a scripture because it's better than anything I could say. How many of you remember that point where you're not quite ready for bifocals, but you're almost there? Yes, I'm, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. Okay. We're in 2 Corinthians 9. Yeah, there's a light. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give, or woman, each man or woman should give what he has decided to give in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written... He has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. And now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, will he supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Amen? Lord, thank you for the opportunity to give. Bless this offering in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.
you for your giving this morning. Hey, just a few announcements. Um, we uh, This Friday night, we have our all-church movie night. Now, it's not a drive-in. We don't have the little thing you can hook onto your car. It's, it's not a drive-in. You're going to drive into the parking lot and park your car and bring your favorite chair, your favorite bag chair. I mean, bring a bean bag, bring your recliner from your house. I don't care. It doesn't matter. Bring something to sit on, a box, whatever. And uh, we're going to enjoy some time together. We have a movie that will be playing starting about 8 o'clock. Uh, we're starting at 7, though. So you can come early. We're going to have a couple of fire pits going, some cornhole. Uh, if you don't like movies at all, this is a great night for you, too, because you can just hang out and enjoy being able to be together. It's $10 a car. That will get you dinner. As Landon said a couple of weeks ago, if you want to bring a school bus, I guess it's 10 bucks too. But anyways, that's coming this Friday night. Make sure you... Um, uh, make sure you take yourself or your family out on a cheap date. Uh, the children's ministry, recertification, check out those dates. Make sure you're aware of those. Um, those happen um, infrequently and because they're, they're uh, a lot of work, and we want to make sure that everyone that's wanted to do that is able to take advantage of those. Again, our Wednesday night Bible study, 7 o'clock, uh, uh, when God, uh, actually this coming week's a new one, and uh, Crazy Like Us, I believe it's called, and that begins this week. And then youth camp dates. Make sure you are aware of those dates. Sign If you're a student here and you haven't signed up for youth camp, make sure you do it. Please tell your parents because they're going to have to help you pay for it, I'm sure. And uh, make sure you're aware of those dates. And again, a special thank you to all of you that purchased Easter candy for Speed the Light this year. God bless you guys so much. And I got one. Well, actually, I had an announcement to share, but I want you to know there's a reason why he does need new glasses. He became a grandpa for the second time this week. So congratulations to Pastor Hans and Jody with the birth of a baby granddaughter. Um, Florence Bell was born to their oldest daughter, Hannah, this week and, and her husband, Blake. What a blessing. Um, just looks like another fate coming along the road. Just beautiful. So we got um, Romy. I haven't seen Romy yet today. He's a little bulldozer, solid. And so, well, somebody to protect his sister when they get older. Amen. Hey, I wanted to, uh, I want to say thank you for your giving last week. In your bulletin, it says that we raised $20,000 for Convoy of Hope, one day to feed the world. But since then, people have given and we're now at $22,000. So thank you for your giving. Appreciate you. They really do. That's an incredible, that's an incredible effort because post-pandemic, 
I'm going to stop talking like this pretty soon, but post-pandemic, we're down a good number of people, and you guys came through, and I appreciate that. Convoy obviously appreciates that, and some of what was raised I know will be used for what's going on in Ukraine, and I want to just, let's go ahead and show that video, a little update on Ukraine. Uh, today I don't have a work, I am free, and uh, I think uh, if um, I have a free day, I must to help people. Uh, we have a bad situation because the war is in our country and many people uh, have a very big problems. The war is destroy many house, many rooms, uh, many flats and the, the people is go far, many uh, structure companies uh, are not working. They stop the business, stop the process of buying and selling, so that's why they need this. Now we just try to help each other because this problem is our problem. It's a problem for our whole country and we must to help and we must to uh, do what we can do. I thank God for that ministry, Convoy of Hope. And again, I thank you for your giving. Um, boy, they, they will be so blessed. Um, let's pray for the situation. Once again, Father, we thank you, Lord God, that you have the power to direct kings' hearts just as you direct the course of a river. That's your word. And Lord, I pray, God, that, that as we know you are involved in the affairs of man, Lord, you know about sin, you know about devastation. Lord, we know about grace, and I pray for your powerful grace to break through. Lord, I pray that, that you would bring peace where there's war right now in Ukraine. Lord, I pray, God, that you would bring victory, Lord, where it seems as though there's so much devastation. Lord, I thank you for the expression of mercy and compassion from, from, from ministries like Convoy of Hope and Praise Assembly and so many others across our great nation. But Lord, I pray, God, that you would bring victory by your power. Lord, that you would receive the glory. And Lord, to this diaspora of Ukrainians coming all the way even over to the United States, Lord, I pray that, that these be seeds of revival for Western Europe and even for America. Lord, so many believers have been uprooted through this. That, Lord, I, I just know that you are going to work this for your glory. You redeem and have the power to redeem any situation. And Lord, we know that this has not escaped your attention. You do not slumber. You do not sleep. You are an all-powerful God, and our trust is in you. Lord, help us to be, to be cognizant every waking day, every waking moment of our lives of the need that's in Ukraine, Lord, that we would pray for our brothers and sisters and for all those citizens and all they're going through. And Lord, now we pray too that your Holy Spirit would anoint your word today, Lord. You'd speak to us at least this one last time on the topic of heroes. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. But today is. It's the last installment on the topic of heroes. And I've shared with you three messages on this topic. Pastor Brandon, Pastor Hans have each shared one. And in retrospect, as I was putting this message together, I realized I, I probably could have 
or should have started the series about heroes by first defining a hero. I mean, what is a hero? I mean, that would have been an appropriate place to begin. What is a hero? And so I want us to look to the Bible, and I want you to, 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 to look with me at a few passages of Scripture that actually contain the word hero. Listen to these passages. Isaiah 5, verse 2 says, Woe to those who are heroes at drinking wine. I never saw that in Scripture before. Woe to those who are heroes at drinking wine, and look, here's the other part, and champions at mixing drinks. And that, that is not a modern translation. That is what it says. Psalm 52, verse 1, mentions so-called heroes who boast of their crimes of injustice. Heroes who boast of their crimes of injustice. Isaiah 33, 7 mentions heroes crying in the streets. In Nehemiah chapter 3, there's a list of men, all who are credited with rebuilding portions of Jerusalem. And there is a Nehemiah, not the Nehemiah, but there's another Nehemiah who is given credit for repairing walls to a point opposite the tombs of David, it says, as far as the artificial pool and the house of the heroes. In Jerusalem, there was a house of heroes. Imagine that. And nothing else is ever said about why it was there or who the heroes might have been. But at any rate, I think we all are aware that the Bible is full of heroes. Heroes to the Jew as well as heroes even to us today. And most of them, we know most of the big names. We've covered a sampling of them over the past month or so, over the past five messages. But while we're on the topic of the wall building that was guided and directed by Nehemiah, I want you to think of the long-forgotten heroes who had worked on portions of the project of rebuilding uh, Jerusalem. As you know, I mean, Nehemiah didn't do it all by himself. And I want to give you a little background before we read from chapter 3. If you remember, some of the Jews are returning from exile and they're wanting to resettle Jerusalem. They're wanting to go back to their, their, their old center. Ezra has already rebuilt the altar. And so they now have a place to worship God. But Nehemiah is, is brokenhearted in that his city still lies in ruins. And is therefore vulnerable to enemies. As they're worshiping God, they want protection. And so he realizes that the people need to have these walls rebuilt. And they need protection. They need to rebuild the city walls. They need to rebuild the gates. And there are apparently a number of major locations at which to enter the city. And these are all listed in the third chapter of Nehemiah. And so I want you to listen to the passage. I was going to read it to you this morning. But there are a lot of, I mean, I can, I can do a pretty good job at reading and pronouncing certain names, but this chapter is full of them. And so we're going to listen to it this morning as you read along. Let's go ahead. And Eliashib the high priest and his fellow priests went to work and rebuilt the Sheep Gate. They dedicated it and set its doors in place, building as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated, and as far as the Tower of Hananel. The men of Jericho built the adjoining section, and Zachar, son of Imri, built next to them. The fish gate was rebuilt by the sons of Hassaneah. They laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. Miramoth, son of Uriah, the son of Hakaz, repaired the next section. Next to him, Meshulam, son of Berechiah, the son of Meshezabel, made repairs. And next to him, Zadok, son of Baana, also made repairs. The next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa, 
but their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervisors. The Jeshina Gate was repaired by Joiada, son of Pasea, and Meshulam, son of Basidea. They laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. Next to them, repairs were made by men from Gibeon and Mizpah, Melatiah of Gibeon, and Jadon of Moranoth, places under the authority of the governor of Trans-Euphrates. Uzziel, son of Harheah, one of the goldsmiths, repaired the next section, and Hananiah, one of the perfume makers, made repairs next to that. They restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. Rephaiah, son of Hur, ruler of a half-district of Jerusalem, repaired the next section. Adjoining this, Judea, son of Harumath, made repairs opposite his house, and Hadish, son of Hashabniah, made repairs next to him. Melchijah, son of Haram, and Hashab, son of Pehath-Moab, repaired another section, and the tower of the ovens. Shalom, son of Halohesh, ruler of a half-district of Jerusalem, repaired the next section with the help of his daughters. The valley gate was repaired by Hanan and the residents of Zenoah. They rebuilt it and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. They also repaired 500 yards of the wall as far as the dung gate. The dung gate was repaired by Malchijah, son of Rechab, ruler of the district of Beth Hakarim. He rebuilt it and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. The fountain gate was repaired by Shalon, son of Kolhoza, ruler of the district of Mizpah. He rebuilt it, roofing it over and putting its doors and bolts and bars in place. He also repaired the wall of the pool of Siloam by the king's garden, as far as the steps going down from the city of David. Beyond him, Nehemiah, son of Azbuk, ruler of the half-district of Bethzur, made repairs up to a point opposite the tombs of David, as far as the artificial pool and the house of the heroes. Now, you understand why I didn't read that. Okay? <laughs> and you know that that guy did not get through that in one take. Okay, there's no way. So, but here's, here, and, and you know, I know you're not going to remember those names. How many of those names had you ever heard before? Except for the one Nehemiah, and that's not the Nehemiah, okay? But in listening to those verses, you should have noticed that they repaired the sheep gate, the fish gate, I'm going to name some of these, the horse gate, the fountain gate, the valley gate, and the last one was the dung gate, and each gate was named for obvious reasons. And, and all these hardworking men, heroic leaders, you know, out of all these men, all those names, how many of you recall the name Malchijah? How many remember that from somewhere before? Some sermon, when one that I preached. Um, you know, Malchijah doesn't even ring a bell. But Nehemiah 3.14 tells us that the dung gate was repaired by Melchijah, son of Rechab. Melchijah had the distinct honor of repairing the walls and the gate that would serve for the purpose of removing all the waste from the city of Jerusalem. And if it was the dung gate, I have to assume that everything that went in and out of that gate, or at least went out of that gate, was dung. And you can Google that if you don't know what it is. But most likely, none of us, not one of us, remembers ever hearing his name before this morning. And truthfully, what's so amazing here is that of all the names that are listed, none of them are familiar to us. Each of these men who took responsibility for completing a portion of the wall and maybe a gate in just 52 days, hand in hand, they worked selflessly. 
They were incredibly diligent. They worked for the sake of others. They gave their all. And the only person that we remember is the Nehemiah himself. If anyone gets credit, it's Nehemiah. But the reality of the task, the reality of rebuilding the walls and in such record time would never have been completed without the full cooperation of the real heroes. Those names that you heard read that you don't remember at all, those are the real heroes. They are unknown heroes or, or maybe forgotten heroes. And I mentioned this, and, I, and I, I started my message this morning in this way because I believe that this is somewhat the definition of a hero. Because, see, a true hero doesn't need the recognition. Amen? They don't do it for the accolades. They don't do it for the notoriety or the prominence. True heroes would never, ever think of grandstanding. And if you just think of some news clip that you've seen recently where someone rescued someone else and they're, you know, you're a real hero. And they're like, they don't even want to be in front of the camera. A real hero doesn't look for that. You see, we tend to give honor to the more prominent players in society, don't we? We, we tend to give honor to the more prominent players in life when, when in reality it is so very often the little guy who keeps the cogs and the gears of society moving smoothly. Without them, the biggest, most prominent names would be failures. It's so often the little guy, isn't it? It's, it's the little guy who's really, truly, actually indispensable and does what he or she does behind the scenes. And you know, that's one, of the, that's one of the things that we learned two years ago in 2020. One of the very first things we learned in 2020. We definitely learned how important doctors and nurses are, hospital personnel, amen? But we also came to re recognize that the guy or the gal who restocks the shelves at the grocery store is super important. The men and women who work at the toilet paper factory had great value. The truck driver, the local delivery person was critical for us as people began ordering everything online and, and from home during the pandemic, right? And their importance was proportional to our degree of need. Please remember this, that their importance was directly proportional to our degree of need. Their significance, you see, grew in relation to how many people they would serve. And that is a biblical principle. In fact, Matthew 23, 11, Jesus said it very succinctly. He said, the greatest among you, the greatest of all of you will be your servant. The one who serves the most is the one who's the greatest. In Mark 9, 35, it says, sitting down, Jesus called the 12 and said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of everyone, the servant of all. And now listen to Luke 9, verse 46, 47, 48. gives us context for this whole concept. It says, An argument started among the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, took a little child, had him stand beside him, and then he said to them, Whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For it is the one who is least among you all, who is the greatest. And here's the concept that we need to grasp. The more, the more that we serve others, the more important we become. And the more important we become, the more significance we gain. Do you see what Jesus is saying? If you want to be significant, if you want to have true value, 
than serve others. And that's exactly what happened when we first shut down during the recent COVID pandemic of March 2020, two years ago. We all suddenly realize that the truly important people are those whom we come into contact with every day. Who work for the toilet paper company, the meatpacking plant, the delivery service, those who check us, who serve us at the checkout line at the grocery store. We suddenly realize that life doesn't progress unless these people are healthy and they show up at their job every single day. And sadly, for most of our lives, you know what? We've been in error. We have associated greatness with prominence. We've associated greatness with fame. I mean, names like Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates. They're common names. Everyone knows who they are. We might even admire their wealth or maybe envy it. And that mindset reveals a problem with our society, a problem with humanity, the way that we think. For example, one problem is that in our sin-sick society, we never, we never, if rarely, compensate people based upon their true significance. Have you noticed that? We, we really don't. We don't pay people what they're worth. Instead, people are rewarded, as I said, for their notoriety, for their popularity, maybe for their brazenness. I mean, and I don't mean just Musk, Bezos, and Gates, but, but like, you know, musical artists, actors, professional sports personalities. And, and don't get me wrong, I love watching NFL football games. But not one of these players is worth millions if you consider their impact on society or the health and welfare of our world in general. Amen. I mean, furthermore, you know, reflecting back on the pandemic, these people added nothing to our lives. They were off the radar. They made absolutely no contribution. And I, I don't mean, I hope that doesn't seem too harsh. It's reality. And I, I'm, you know, because in all of that, I didn't care if there was a pro sports game on. I, well, I, I lamented for a little while. But I can live without it. I wasn't concerned that there wouldn't be a baseball game on television. I was concerned that Costco would run out of toilet paper. No, I mean, we laugh, but I'm serious right now. I'll laugh later about it, but I'm serious. I really appreciated, I valued the average person at the pharmacy or the grocery store who showed up every day behind a plexiglass wall to help me meet my basic needs. Amen. Not the famous person that went into hiding on their luxury yacht or their luxury home during the pandemic. And, you know, in a perfect world, we, we, we should... We should be paying substantial salaries to people who maybe invent ways to cure diabetes or cancer. You know what I'm talking about? We still don't even compensate those people enough. And again, thinking of, of, of television and big screen names, recording artists, again, it's enjoyable. It's, it's, it's wonderful to be entertained by these grossly overcompensated people. But if they suddenly didn't exist tomorrow, there'd be no impact on my life. There'd be zero impact. But on the other hand, if I run out of toilet paper, again, I'm, I'm going to keep using that. I mean, I think it's a great illustration. Think about the application of what Jesus said. He's, he's, he's saying, hey, well, anyway, I'm, I'm saying, I'm taking what he said and applying it to you. If you're married with a family, you have significance in your family. Not just because they might emotionally miss you in your absence if you were gone, but because hopefully you're a contributor. 
I, I know for sure at least that husbands and wives and moms and dads have great significance in their roles because the spouses care for each other and as parents they have to care for their children. And so what that tells me is that real significance is never based on your paycheck or your contract. You know, some past Mother's Days I've shared with you concerning the value of a mom. Uh, their research, and because I'm doing it now, you know I'm not going to do it in two weeks, okay? <laughs> really? <laughs> but concerning the value of mom, there are research groups out there that calculate the financial value of a mother and what her work is worth if she were to be paid for everything she does. And I want to read to you from salary.com. This is the latest from salary.com. They state that the pre-pandemic median annual salary for stay-at-home moms, if you calculated everything that she did, was worth $178,201. A mom, $178,000. And hours work per week was 96.5 in 2019. Again, that was 2019. In the past year, the 75, 75th percentile of mothers reported working an astonishing 117 hours per week. They're putting in more time now. Working moms reported spending 54 hours per week on managing on the home front in addition to the hours for their regular employment for a total of 117 hours split between work and home roles. Now, this data is not adjusted for nor fully reflects the hazard pay for the increased intensity of the work that parents have reported in the past year, which would typically be worth a premium of around 10%. And finally, they say, the rigor of a stay-at-home mother's job came into sharp focus during the pandemic with median time worked reaching 116 hours per week and a fair market value, fair market salary equivalent of 180, almost $185,000. And again, that's according to salary.com. So you see, salary and significance are not always linked. But Jesus made it clear to us that the greatest among us is the one who serves the most. The more you serve, the greater you are. And along those same lines, Jesus also told us that the best service is when we serve the least. When we serve those who can't give back to us. In Luke chapter 6, verse 27, he said this. He said, if you love those who love you, big deal. Really? Does that make sense? If you love those who love you, who cares? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. Again, the best givers are those who give to those who cannot give back. Those are the best givers. And you know what? Reflecting on last Sunday's offering, One Day to Feed the World, we gave to people we'll never meet. We didn't give to Convoy of Hope. You understand that? We really didn't. They, you know, they're bundling it together. They know how to, how to disseminate it, how to get it in place, how to distribute it all. They've got all that set up. But we didn't give, I didn't give to Convoy of Hope. I gave to God because when we give to the poor, we lend to the Lord. I gave to him and he's giving to people I may never meet. I, I likely will never meet this side of heaven. Hopefully I'll meet them all in heaven. That's how it goes. 
The best givers are those who give to those who cannot give back. And so with that in mind, in closing today, I want to I say thank you to every hero among us this morning. And, you know, I, I sincerely thought I would list all these jobs and tasks that many of you had during the pandemic. You know, those of you who had to go in, whether it was in a hospital or a grocery store or a pharmacy or wherever it was, maybe delivering stuff. But you know what happens when you do that? You leave somebody out. They feel bad. They don't like you anymore. I can't, I can't go there. But I ha- and I thought, well, maybe I'll just have them stand and say, look, if you were in one of those positions, please stand. And you know what? The real heroes won't get up out of their seat because they don't, they don't care. They did what they had to do because they know they're a real hero. So I'm sorry I can't single you out. But you know who you are. And we have heroes sitting among us right here today. We have heroes with us. And I'm speaking about those of you who gave so much to serve the rest of us. During the past two years, we've, we've all had to be create, courageous in some way, but, but there are special people here this morning who could not stay home. They were not allowed the luxury of staying home, hunkering down as our government asked us to do. You still had to go out and you had to do what previously seemed so mundane and insignificant. But we quickly learned otherwise, didn't we? And we want to say thank you. We want to say thank you. Again, thank you to our retail and grocery workers. I'm going to single out a few. Thank you to our truck drivers, our warehouse workers, delivery people, those who worked on the manufacturing lines. Thank you to our medical professionals and so many others who worked at, again, manufacturing things for us. You know, I never ran out of toilet paper. You were essential, and you are essential. And what's so mind-blowing, you always were essential. Sadly, you're still not getting essential pay, but you are essential, and I'm grateful. And it could have been much, much worse except for your courage, your willingness to serve the rest of us. And I want to close this morning with a thank you video. COVID-19 disconnected us from our lives. It separated us and forced us to focus on our basic needs we took for granted. Food, water, medical care, power, transportation, and public safety. In this moment, we thank all the unsung heroes who help us put food on the table, who keep clean water flowing, who keep the power on at home and where it's needed, who fight with the virus to save lives, who work silently to protect us, with determination, with courage, with compassion. These essential workers restore our connections to our families, our communities, and to our lives. To the essential workers who connect us to our lives, thank you.
seek you. Father, I pray your blessing. Lord, upon all those who gave so much at a critical time in our history. They were there. They had to, they had to go in. Maybe when the threat of losing their jobs. But they had to go in. And they had to do everything they could to remain healthy in order to serve. And Lord, how I pray that they not be forgotten. Lord, none of us before this morning remembered Melchizedek. And the names of the people that are here will, will, will be forgotten over time. They won't be recorded in any scripture because there is no more new scripture. But Lord, I just thank you for all those who served. Who gave when they could have been, they, they could have been hunkering down and trying to enjoy family life. But instead had to work overtime. Had to work extra hours, longer hours, harder hours because of shortages. Because of things that were missing. Lord, those especially in the hospital that risked infection and bringing it home. Lord, we know in so many parts of our nation where, where nurses and doctors literally had to just sleep and stay at the hospitals they were working in. They couldn't risk bringing the infection home. And Lord, we pray not just for our own congregation, Lord, but I pray for Lord, people all across our nation, those who serve so valiantly and so selflessly, Lord, that you would reward them. And God, ultimately, that, that you would begin through all of this, through all that we see going on in our world today, that you would bring a true revival in your church and a great harvest of souls. Because, Lord, we know that these, these events that come to us, Lord, we live in a fallen world. There's sin in our world. There's sickness in our world. There's death in our world. But we know that none of this has to be wasted because you are the great Redeemer. You are still risen this Sunday as you were Last Sunday, Easter Sunday, as you worked over 2,000 years ago, raised from the dead. You're seated at the right hand of the Father, waiting for that day to return. But you're not going to come until every nation has heard. Matthew 24, 14. When this gospel has been preached to all nations, then the end shall come. And so until then, Lord, I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would do his work and do it through his church. Use us. Again, Father, bless all those who served us so well. Lord, I pray that, that the heroes that are in hiding this morning, I pray that when they leave here, they would go home and just for a moment, just for a moment, enjoy the thanks. Enjoy the appreciation for serving the rest of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand together. Lord, again, I thank you for all the heroes that are represented here this morning. I pray once again a special blessing for them. And I pray now your blessing upon all of us. Lord, continue, Lord, to use us, to guide us, and to use us for your purpose. Bless your people, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.